0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Amanda Love and I'm a registered holistic nutritionist who works with those with fibromyalgia. And today's guest is David. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
0: So tell us a little bit about your background and your story.
1: Okay, sure. Sure. Um, Well, so at about 18 years old, I started developing these year round allergies, and it progressively got worse by the time I was like 29. um, I was on two Zyrtec a day, I was taking a nasal steroid just to survive. Um, If I didn't have those, yeah, if I didn't have those, I would just sneeze constantly, um, itchy top of the throat, my face would puff up terribly. And then I also did have some amount of pain type symptoms, like nerve type symptoms around my elbows and down in my ankles. And I got super lucky at 30 years old. I did this purification program where I cut out grains, dairy, processed foods. And my only yeah. goal was my only goal was losing weight. And I came out of this 21 day deal and all of my allergy symptoms were gone. And so pretty quickly I was like, okay, so I, I figured out I had a gluten sensitivity. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. All right. I can handle that. Mine was pretty high. (laughs) Yeah. So over the next, uh, the next few years, really at about 35 years old, um, I developed basically symptoms like I had an ulcer. So my stomach would just hurt anytime it was empty. And then I also do a lot of mountain biking. And so like, I messed up like some finger joints in an accident (laughs) and it just like, didn't heal like it should. And I'm like, I started thinking like, do I have rheumatoid arthritis or what is going on? And finally, so I'm like 41 now, but about 18 months ago, maybe maybe 15 months ago, um, I developed foot neuropathy. So I started having this burning and tingling sensation on the bottom of my feet. And neuropathy, the main thing that would go with is uh, essentially chronic diabetes. But I'm this like super lean oh, yeah. mountain bikers. I'm like looking in the mirror, I'm like, and I've, I've been gluten free and I try to fill in you know, the, the nutrition part of it with vegetables. So I'm like, I don't think I have diabetes, but I got that ruled out. And then while I was there for a long time, I'd been wondering, like, I wonder about Lyme disease. And so I asked the medical doctor, I said, can we run a test for Lyme? And she ran it and she, she got back to me. She said, we ruled out, we ruled out uh, diabetes. We ruled out Lyme disease but i'm still sitting there thinking there are just not very many things that could cause a 40-year-old, 39-year-old guy to have
0: yeah, bilateral,
1: bilateral foot neuropathy. Yeah. And so so here comes the crowdsourced medicine. So i join a facebook group for Lyme disease and i type into the search bar foot pain, foot pain or foot neuropathy. And I get all these, get all these questions in the comments below, people are asking the same question I had, what causes foot neuropathy? And all these people in the Lyme thing said that it was this, this, this problem called Bartonella, which is an infection. And so this sent me down this rabbit hole of just saying, okay, I'm going to learn more about Lyme disease. Uh, Lyme disease has these co-infections that I'd like to share about Uh, Bartonella and Babesia are the main ones but essentially I've been learning about it over the last year or so. And I mean, just a few of the stats before I let you ask some questions, but um, the current CDC estimate is that there's 476,000 cases, new cases of Lyme disease per year in the United States. Um, They did a survey in Pennsylvania where this person went through all these state parks and and parks throughout the state, collected the ticks, and they saw what percent of the ticks carry Lyme disease. It was 56% of those ticks carry the Lyme disease causing bacteria. Uh, But the main reason I reached out to you, Amanda, like in this, uh, I decided I was going to make a video where I just shared, here's all my research. Here's all my findings about Lyme disease. And before I put that out, I got into this Facebook group for Lyme disease people. It's called Lyme disease support and wellness group. And I said, for those of you that actually had a positive Lyme test, what all were you diagnosed with before you got the Lyme disease diagnosis? And guess what the top answer was?
0: Fibromyalgia.
1: Fibromyalgia. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that everybody that has fibromyalgia, it's caused by Lyme disease. But based on that, that survey in that group, um, I would say that fibromyalgia is the most common diagnosis of people who do actually have Lyme disease. And so that's where I was really excited to talk with you.
0: Yeah, so why do you think the numbers are so high?
1: Well, that gets into, uh, I mean, there's, a, there's an interesting backstory about why uh, the CDC and, and medical doctors just do not recognize or respect like the fact that this is a major problem. But fundamentally, right. fundamentally, I mean, this is just something that started in Lyme, Connecticut it's spread by ticks. And then the other vectors are are like brown mice and deer. And so deer are the ones that would like migrate and and spread it out, but it's just expanding across the country. And then when we get into these, they're considered co-infections or some doctors will call them Lyme plus, but these other other problems like Bartonella and Babesia, like Bartonella is a common problem, but it's caused primarily by, it can be caused by ticks, but it's also caused by fleas, and, and just cat scratches, uh, scratches by domestic pets.
0: So it's pretty easy if you could get it pretty easily, it sounds The like.
1: Bartonella, the Bartonella in particular, yes. I mean, that's something that across the country, um, veterinarians in particular, it's it's very common that veterinary veterinarians and veterinary techs get infected with this Bartonella.
0: Yeah, I, I've just recently been hearing about Lyme disease, but I don't think we hear about it
1: and then no no, and I can share I mean I can share a little bit about the backstory about why that is. I mean, would you like to hear that now? Yeah,
0: I would love to hear
1: okay well i'll I'll try to give kind of the brief story. so Lyme disease i'll I'll just tell you first how Lyme disease was was first found. So let's see here. 1975, this lady named Polly Murray, she was in Lyme, Connecticut, this little town of 1500 people. And she had a terrible symptoms. I mean, she would have had fibromyalgia. She had pain in these random joints. She'd have swelling in joints, terrible headaches. And like two of her kids just had these same terrible symptoms. Yeah. She's like, what? She's like, what is wrong with us? And so eventually she starts talking to all of her friends And she finds out that there are 51 children in this town of lyme connecticut 1500 people but 51 of these kids in the town have been diagnosed with uh juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and i mean normally yeah it's nuts normally that should not be common right so she she called into like a state medical authority and this guy started researching ultimately I mean, they didn't know what was causing this hot spot of, of rheumatoid arthritis symptoms, but they found that it was caused by the ticks. So, I mean, research progressed for a little while, but where things get really, really, it's going to sound like a little bit like a conspiracy theory here. But a group, uh, there's a there's a group called the IDSA, Infectious Disease Society of America. And it's basically the most influential group of medical doctors when it comes to establishing guidelines and and just how people should be treated with various conditions. So they got together in 2006 and put together these guidelines where they said Lyme disease is, uh, and I guess I haven't explained fully what, how Lyme disease works, but so I'll back up just a little bit and explain that. So Lyme disease is caused by a spiral shaped bacteria called Borrelia burgdorferi. And, essentially this, this, this spiral shaped bacteria is in ticks primarily in the mid gut. But when a tick gets on a person, it starts to instantly inject them with an anesthesia. And so that they don't instantly feel that sting or like, you know, push the tick off. And so they're injecting these, these, uh, saliva, so to speak into the person's body. And so eventually they can send in these little slow growing spiral shaped bacteria. At that point the Lyme disease bacteria can migrate into anywhere in the human body. So um, it can make it into the heart, it can make it into nerve tissue and it can cross the blood brain barrier. And so it can infect an actual person's brain. But some of the the initial symptoms, a certain amount of people, about 25% of people will end up with this rash, which the most common color or shape of it is like a bullseye rash, but actually more commonly, it just would look more like a spider bite or just a small rash. Then the other initial symptoms are a person would have flu light symptoms. So they could just feel some, some malaise, yeah. some fatigue for a few days. But if it gets beyond that, a lot of times a person's going to have a period where they feel okay for a little while. And then just depending on what region of the body the Lyme gets into, it can cause all these different symptoms from swelling in joints to digestive issues to symptoms more like dementia or Alzheimer's. But anyways, this uh, so the IDSA, the Infectious Disease Society of America in 2006, they get together and they basically created these guidelines that stated that most Lyme disease just gets better on its own. Your body's able to fight it off and get rid of it. Or that if just you take a little round of antibiotics, like 14 days, it should clear it up, you're good to go. And they put these guidelines out well, what happened then is that the CDC basically picked out those guidelines and made them the main guidelines. Insurance companies said any doctor who treats somebody beyond the 14 days of, of this antibiotic doxycycline is committing malpractice. Oh, and yeah, and as a result, then these people end up with these other diagnoses. So fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, all of that. And up until this point, you might think, well, it's just this crackpot uh, Dr. Crozy that's So I am a chiropractor. So um, just saying this, so that the attorney general of the state of Connecticut, they looked at these guidelines and they said, this is antitrust. This is like collusion. And they did a deep dive into this this group of uh, medical doctors on the Infectious Disease Society of America to see what their conflicts of interest were. And they released the the results of that. They said there are deep conflicts of interest in the sense that the people on that board had deep ties to the insurance industry and to the pharmaceutical industry that would have motivated them to say Lyme disease, Lyme disease ongoing is not a chronic problem. And uh, so the, the attorney general, they said, you need to go back and reformulate the guidelines to be more unbiased. Well, that didn't really work. Like they got back together, but they basically had a rule in place that any doctor who gets more than 25% of their income treating Lyme patients wasn't allowed to be on the board. And so any doctors that actually see these people, see people with Lyme every day, they don't get to have input. And so essentially, even today, all the CDC guidance, the IDSA still make it sound like Lyme is a simple problem to get rid of. And then it just, your body fights it off. Um, but, but in 2017, uh, let's see here in 2017, or so, no, in 2015, like Johns Hopkins. So a very prominent medical school, yeah. they released, they released findings where they put Lyme they put the Lyme bacteria Borrelia in a, just in test tubes dumped in the, the antibiotic that the CDC says will get, get rid of it in 14 to 28 days. And at the end of the study, like they couldn't even kill the, the Borrelia burgdorferi in the test tube. And there was another follow-up study in like 2018 where they took these uh, rhesus monkeys, injected them with Borrelia burgdorferi. So they had Lyme disease and then they gave them 28 days of doxycycline. And then they, they checked these monkeys. Not a single monkey had completely cleared the, uh, the, the Lyme disease infection. Every single monkey still had Lyme disease. And so all of that just highlights that these, this guidance from the CDC, the guidance from the IDSA is just wrong.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like they, they need more research. They need well,
1: yeah, <laughs> there's, there's actually 700 studies that show that Lyme disease uh, is not that it persists through a short round of antibiotics, but it's like, it's like the guidelines have not caught up to that.
0: So um, do you think you have it or what?
1: Well, yeah, that leads into the next uh, big question because you get into the topic of testing. Right. Um, because logic would say, well, have you, have you had this test done to find out if you had it? Um, that test that that doctor ran for me and she said your test came back negative, the uh, accuracy of that test is considered to be 44%. So that's, it's a really fort- bad. <laughs> that's really terrible. Yeah. And so she did not tell me that. She didn't had to tell find me that out. Yeah, she said, oh, we ruled out Lyme disease. And now I know that the test is that inaccurate. Um, so yeah, it would be really nice if there were accurate tests. Um, I mean, there are tests that are considered more accurate. Uh, there's basically two companies. There's one for this uh, Lyme disease is called Igenics. Mm -hmm. And they're considered the most accurate for Lyme disease. Um, For this other infection, this Bartonella, um, that one is Galaxy Diagnostics. And so there are more accurate tests. And honestly, um, I'm kind of an analytical person. And so I've spent time researching. I am doing some treatment strategies, but I think for sure, I, I feel like for sure I have Bartonella. I'm not sure for sure that I have Lyme disease, but um, certainly, the pattern of my life uh, would say that it's it's quite likely.
0: Um, so, what can people do for
1: it? Well, essentially, everybody. Uh, I mean, it it is a tricky thing to say exactly what you can do. The the yeah. first thing the first thing is is lines up exactly with what I know your main message to people. Who are dealing with fibromyalgia whether they know what it's caused by or not is nutrition strategies right and so if you jump into this Lyme disease support and wellness and you say what helps most from a nutritional perspective you're going to hear essentially cut out gluten and cut out the simple sugars and yeah. then if you're in really severe shape they're going to recommend that you jump to like a paleo autoimmune protocol and really cut out those foods that have these inflammatory effects so that's the first thing is that if whether you think you have lyme or you have um or you just have 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 this pain throughout your body i mean that lines up um the second thing to kind of like say if you're looking in the mirror you're like i definitely have have fibromyalgia and pain is it likely that i have lyme or one of these lyme disease co-infections Um, you can do what's called a Horowitz Lyme questionnaire. So Horowitz is a researcher, um, H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z, and it has this long list of symptoms. And this has been been tested repeatedly um, and pretty well that if you fill that out and it shows a very high likelihood that you have Lyme disease, then it's very likely that you do. And you would actually at that point start to consider reaching out to a Lyme literate uh, medical doctor or prat- practitioner, and uh, there's a, a website. It's uh, ILADS. ILADS is that it was where you would find different doctors that are specialized in working with Lyme disease patients. Um, the book that I would recommend as being most helpful is this book called Chronic. It's by Dr. Phillips, and a medical doctor who developed Lyme himself, and it is interesting when a medical doctor has their own health crisis, all of a sudden yeah. they, get mo- they really get motivated to get to the bottom of problems. Yeah. It's, it's a story that I'm sure you've heard a lot of times on your podcast.
0: Yeah, I've had some few guests who've had chronic fatigue syndrome and other health issues. But I think that's what motivates us to help other people.
1: Exactly.
0: Right. And so how's your health today?
1: My health today is, um, well, I listened to your, one of your episodes or a Facebook live recently. I mean, it's like 70 to 80%. So I try to keep my diet. I mean, I'm a hundred percent gluten-free. Um, I have some weak, some weak moments with sugar. And if I have any significant amount of sugar, like yeah. i start to have some of those symptoms in my feet. So I'm pretty motivated to stay away from it. Um, other than that, um, the main symptom I would say I get is like in my mid back region, I'll have an area that has kind of this, um, Oh, I would describe it as like a vibrating sensation at times. Mm-hmm. And that's something that goes along quite a bit with this Bartonella, um, which is so Bartonella. Yeah. Bartonella, again, it's, it's caused by ticks fleas, um, cat scratches, and it's actually what causes cat scratch fever, which that's considered this relatively short lived infection but then chronic Bartonella is is something that's, you know, it's a whole different beast and can cause all these different symptoms. Um, So my health is pretty good. And yeah, I guess my next step would be to do this testing through Galaxy Diagnostics and just see if I actually have Bartonella. But uh, again, the the treatment, the next step up treatment for both um, Bartonella and Lyme is these long courses of antibiotics. Yeah, And that's very scary. So I think that my health would actually have to nosedive a bit before I would be ready to really start to proceed with that treatment. But I think there are a lot of, a lot of listeners to your podcast that, that, you know, if they go through these steps, that they go through the testing, it's like, yeah, that's a hundred percent warranted. And once you find out that you have an actual infection, that's the underlying, underlying cause of some of these symptoms, it would make sense.
0: Exactly. What are like the main symptoms that people usually start to notice? You said flu-like symptoms.
1: That's a great, great question. Um, so if you were recently bitten by a tick, and again, the, the main thing they'd highlight is that you might not see this tick. So the nymph, this nymph stage are the most common ones that carry um, Lyme disease. They're the size of like a period on a piece of paper. And so you might not spot it. Again, it'd be nice if there was always this big bullseye rash that tells you, yeah, I've got it. But the the estimates are that you get, people get a rash about 25% of the time. Mm -hmm. And then the the majority of those rashes don't look like bullseyes. They would just look like a little spider bite or just this little red patch that hangs around for a few days. And so, yeah, flu-like symptoms, just some some fatigue, uh, some nauseousness. Kind of some of the things that would make you say like, yeah, I definitely have this is actual joints swelling up or, or becoming painful. Yeah. And it would kind of move. They kind of say, okay, like, so your shoulder is hurting and it hangs around for two weeks. And then you're right. When you're ready to go to the doctor and be like, what's wrong with my shoulder, the shoulder improves. And now you're noticing it in your hip or your knee, your knees swelling up. Um, also lime neck, lime shrug. A lot of people have this pain in their neck. Uh, the base of the head this uh, and, and a lot of headaches would be really common Bells palsy so where half of the face like it either goes numb or the muscles stop working and you have like your your muscles uh, your face droops on one side okay. that would that would have a very strong uh, strong association with being caused by Lyme disease um, yeah so migraines um, let me see here so actually so when again, crowdsourced medicine and the power of that Um, in that Facebook group Lyme disease support and wellness I asked that question I said for those of you who actually had a test confirm Lyme and co-infections what other conditions were you diagnosed with before figuring out it was Lyme the top response was fibromyalgia then it was anxiety depression and migraines then hypothyroid and Hashimoto's um, so thyroid abnormalities yeah then then rheumatoid arthritis and juvenile rheumatoid arthritis um PCOS and interstitial cystitis so problems with the ovaries chronic bladder inflammation and pain in your pelvis mm-hmm. um ir- irritable bowel and Crohn's disease chronic fatigue syndrome con- connective tissue disease so some of these uh some of these parasites they actually attack the soft tissues and so people that have uh, might get diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos or hypermobility syndrome um, would, would be in that group. Celiac disease and food intolerances, POTS, so postural orthostatic type, uh, I'm not gonna have the rest of it, but POTS, <laughs> which is basically where if a person stands up, they, they, they faint. So they have dysfunction in the automatic nerves, nerve processes in their body um, POTS, then lupus, Bell's palsy, peripheral neuropathy, and then multiple sclerosis. So that's quite a list. (laughs) It is quite a list. So, yeah. And I mean, the thing is, the thing is there's, there's fibromyalgia, but there's these other problems, chronic fatigue syndrome, irritable bowel syndrome, and anybody that gets diagnosed with these, I mean, you know, that it's, it's a crummy thing just in the sense that you're like, yeah, this is terrible in my life. But as a, as a chiropractor, as a doctor myself, like I really hate symptom diagnoses. And so essentially that's like, yeah, I mean, anybody can diagnose themselves with fibromyalgia. It's kind of like, you could go to a doctor and say, my head hurts. And the doctor says you have headaches. And they're like, that'll be $120. You're like, yeah, but I told you that. And they're like, no, but I put a name on it. And yeah, so the current, the current diagnosis of fibromyalgia, um, you know, it used to require a certain amount of those points being painful, but now they just say diffuse pain throughout your body for more than three months.
0: Yeah.
1: So uh, you,
0: look, you look normal.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, you look at all these symptoms. I don't know. It's For me, it's like, it's like when your body all of a sudden changes when you're healthy one day and then you're not the next, there is a reason. And, uh, just like that, Polly Murray in Lyme, Connecticut, you know, she's like, there, there's gotta be a reason. We have 51 kids having juvenile rheumatoid arthritis in a town with 15, 1500 people. There's something causing this.
0: Yeah. And I, um, actually, when I was diagnosed and it's almost been 11 years, that's what they did was the trigger point test Mm -hmm. so
1: (laughs) yeah
0: but I I see it I was only 20 years old right and they just put you right on the medication
1: right and so now you were where were you living when you were when you first started having problems because that that might lead to a little bit of an interesting discussion
0: um I was in Gilbert Arizona
1: Gilbert, Arizona. And you grew up in California though, correct?
0: Um, till I was almost 14.
1: 14, okay. So a lot of people would think that Lyme disease is primarily this problem in the Northeast United States. And again, if you, well, so if you go to the CDC website and look at the prevalence, you can see these maps and just look back at the last 20 years and see it expand. But primarily you would see that it's in the Northeast. Um, so Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Then there's a hotspot in, in Minnesota and Wisconsin are definitely the second major hotspot. But there was a very, I I mentioned that this, these researchers went through the woods of Pennsylvania and they collected ticks, they dissected them and they checked what percentage of the ticks in Pennsylvania currently have Lyme disease. And again, that was 56%. So if you, if you travel to Pennsylvania and two ticks get on you statistically, one of those is carrying Lyme disease. Um, but what was really interesting, the state of Tennessee is not considered a hotspot at all. Um, they're, they're, there's almost no cases that meet the CDC criteria, but in 2017, they did the same survey in eastern Tennessee. So they went to a bunch of parks, they collected ticks, they dissected them. What they found was that the overall rate of, of infected ticks was 10%, 9.2%, I think, of yeah. the ticks had Lyme disease. But the most interesting thing is that there were these two parks just north of Knoxville, Tennessee. One of them had 44% of the ticks had Lyme disease and the other park, 78% of the ticks had Lyme disease. And so the thing I would say, no doctor, I don't think that any doctor in Knoxville realizes that there's this park just north of their town that 78% of the ticks are carrying Lyme disease. So I guess my main message would be that for somebody listening, if you say, well, I'm not in the Northeast, I'm not in Wisconsin, I'm not in Minnesota, you might still have some spot in your state that actually has this hotspot. Right. And no, one's, no one's telling us about this.
0: It's not in the news.
1: No. And then once you look at the Bartonella and realize, yeah, fleas, ticks, lice, I mean, that's where that second infection really makes it like, wow, you know, a lot of people could be dealing with these issues.
0: Is there anything else you would like to share?
1: Let me take a look here just briefly. Well, yeah, so the biggest thing, I mean, I shared that your standard medical doctor in general is not going to be a big help with this. And so if you go and ask about it, they'll probably do that basic test for you without much pushback but again this this most basic test they're going to do as 44% accuracy and so just like just like most messages that you would give people about fibromyalgia is that you have to you have to become a researcher on your own you need to take your health into your own hands and be assertive um, that's the message here as well is that you need to learn so again the the top book that I would direct people toward is chronic by Dr. Stephen Phillips um Obviously people listening to this, they're listening to podcasts. So there are a couple really amazing podcasts. One of them is called patient zero and it's put out by new Hampshire public radio. And this, this podcast more than any other is like, it might be the best podcast I've ever heard. And that's irregardless if somebody has Lyme disease, it's kind of this perfect mixture of education, entertainment, and it feels like a true crime podcast just because there is this controversy yeah. But you will, you will learn so much by listening to that. I couldn't recommend it higher. Um, as far as a resource podcast, this better health guy podcast is really great. Um, one other thing that I should mention just briefly is that uh, Lyme disease and Bartonella, the, the experts in the field do believe that this can be passed from a mother to a child or to a baby in the womb. And so that's, that's kind of a scary and frightening thing to share, but for, I mean, for some parents out there, for some kids out there, that they're just like, why why have I always had these health problems? Uh, the research says that that is possible. And so so if you, somebody out there listening is dealing with a child that's just never been healthy, it, it's something to consider there as well. And again, I would recommend reading the book Chronic, um, accessing these other resources to learn more.
0: And I'll put that all in the show notes. Where can um, people find you?
1: Well, um, the resource. So again, I, I, after doing all this research and just reading all these books, listening to uh, the podcast, watching the documentaries, the documentary to watch would be Under Our Skin. But um, I, I said I want to create a video. I want to create the video that would have gotten me up to speed as quickly as possible on the most valuable resources. And so that resource, it's at compasscairo.com/slash-lime. Uh, L Y M E. Um, that's my, my office name is compass chiropractic. So C O M P A S S C H I R com slash Lyme. And, uh, or you could just look on YouTube and search David Crozy, my last name and Lyme disease. You'll probably find me. <laughs> um, but that being said, like, you know, I'm not a treatment expert. Um, I'm an analytical type person who's done a lot of learning. Uh, but like I say, I think that I think anybody that thinks they might have this is going to have to become a researcher. Um, so these resources should get you in the right direction as quickly as possible. But I mean, I definitely welcome people to reach out to me with questions.
0: Thank you for all of that and all those resources. And thank you for coming on and teaching us about lying.
1: Definitely, definitely. So I hope, hope it gives some people some answers.
0: <laughs> I hope so too.